0: What's up my miners of intelligence and consciousness. I'm Rick Brooks and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have the host of the History of the Cuban Revolutions podcast, Nick Ramos, and we're going to get right into it, brother. I'm, a, I'm, I'm happy that you're on the show. But first off, man, I saw that shit was going down in Cuba the people were mad. They were protesting. And the first person that I thought of was you. And I was like, dude, I bet you got something to say about it, man. So, I mean, the first thing is like what – there's a – as with anything, there's a – it's it's a multifaceted thing. But like from being a, a Cuban-American and having lived in Cuba for a large percentage of your life, you're going to have some insights that I'm just not going to get through the media. So I guess kind of take us through – what what's going on down there
1: um sure so um information is spotty because the internet uh is throttled they take it on and off and really the way we're getting information is by people uh with cell phones and everybody has a cell phone in cuba now Mm -hmm. uh, with cell phones taking videos and then sending it through whatsapp or other types of encrypted messaging services um but what we believe is that at some point um some hashtag came out called SOS Cuba how exactly the hashtag began isn't exactly known right now the hashtag spread and then more and more people uh, took to the streets uh, to protest uh, it spread from Havana to other areas and so you know a lot of the island many many towns are protesting and protests have endured uh, we're now on day three of them so we don't know all where they are we don't know their magnitude we don't know a lot of the magnitude of the police repression but the protests are there and they're ongoing
0: wow so we we don't even have any insight into how big they are do we know if they're violent what i mean what do we i i can't really seem to find a good source outside of like cnn and i mean if i'm being 100% honest it's not like i've dug super deeply into this. Like I wanted to talk to you first before I started getting down rabbit holes and whatnot, but so we don't know the magnitude of that. Do do we, we, from what I've read, a lot of it has to do with the deplorable, um, the deplorable, I don't know, position of the people and the fact that they had what, 6,000 COVID cases in one day. And I believe they don't have enough vaccines. Do we even know if they have vaccines?
1: Yeah. Uh, and I want to apologize for the background noise. New York is very noisy. Um, yeah. So, number one, we don't know how big they are because, uh, I mean, there are reporters in Havana, right? They're, you know, reporters uh, I forget, from a bunch of publications there. But no one's done a headcount uh, from everything I've heard it's probably either in the high hundreds or thousands. And considering it's been going on for multiple days, it's probably in the thousands. But they're not necessarily reporters in, in other provinces and smaller towns where the news are coming from, you know, citizen journalists, just someone who picks up a phone and records something out of their bedroom window or in the street. So the magnitude is unknown. Um, no one's doing a headcount. It's not like, you know, here in the United States where we know exactly how many people attended an inauguration Um, it's not the same thing, uh, as for what's triggering it, uh, right now, Cuba is, is facing just a huge inflationary crisis. Um, I guess the the way to explain this, so I I published a piece today, uh, well, whatever a medium thing. I just, last night I just wanted to vent some things. Um, and the piece touches on it, but I can explain it a bit more, which is that for many years, Cuba had a, a dual currency system. So People got paid, most industries got paid in in the Cuban peso. And 24 pesos were equal to one CUC. That's the Cuban dollar. And the CUC was pegged at a one-to-one value with the American dollar. And so the, the idea was that through doing this, paying the citizens in pesos, then having special stores that were CUC only, and being in complete control of both import-export businesses, because having a private import-export business in Cuba, basically non-existent, it's state controlled, that they can then capture foreign currency. And so the government could capture any foreign currency and then use it to to buy food abroad and buy medicine and whatever materials they might need, but it would be in the government's control. And they've they've been trying to face that out for many years, for what reason mostly because it's confusing tourists don't really get the dual currency thing um so they've been trying to face it out also it's frustrating for people um while gearing their uh, economy toward tourism because i mean they they do make a lot of money of tourism um so they've been trying to do these two things at the same time then COVID hit now one of the things that that dual monetary policy did was that it kept inflation down. Um, It's a bit more complicated why it did that, but it it just did. Um, And so when COVID hits, they're facing out the dual currency system. All of their foreign currency just dries up because tourists can't come to the island anymore. Massive shortages, massive imbalance of trade. And so basically in Cuba, you can't buy anything, you can't get anything. What you can buy is extremely high priced. There's a thriving and large black market that's always existed, but it's the only place you can even find things. And that's shot through the roof. And so economic conditions are dire. And Cuba contained COVID for quite a bit of time, and it contained it well. But recently, just the past month, the new variants and them trying to open up tourism again, and COVID took the island like wildfire. We're talking like 6,000 cases in one day. On, in an island with 11 million people. So, I mean, you know, they don't have a vaccine. They they said they made a vaccine. I haven't looked into the whether the vaccine actually works, but even if it does work as well as they say... Um, oh, question. If, wasn't the vaccine...
2: Sorry, wasn't Cuba using China's vaccine?
1: I think they were using one of the Sputnik ones or uh, the Chinese I'll, one or something. I'll look it up
2: and get back to you.
1: yeah. I wasn't sure, but I know they made their own, which apparently has like very high like chance of success or, or something. But even if it does work as, as well as they say, which it very well might, it's not like they can get it out to the citizens. So spiking COVID cases, no no simple things like Tylenol, like Tylenol or aspirin or things like that are things that are very coveted in Cuba.
2: Uh, so I found it. Yeah, there's their vaccine. It's called the Abdallah vaccine. It's a three shot and they say it's 92.2 two eight percent effective
1: the the cuban one yeah i thought the cuban one what they made was uh soberana sovereign that
2: was another one so this one yeah i so, said so this is an article this is from reuters from june 21st that cuba has two vaccines a three-shot abdallah vaccine and then yeah this uh so what it would you oh, yeah Sobera, sovereign. soberan sovereign. yeah two was 62 percent effective uh with two doses
1: OK, so, yeah, so the, even even if they could get it out, right, even if it works as, as well as they say, and it very well might, it's not like they can produce it for the island faster than it's getting hit by COVID. And so it's been on lockdown for a year. It badly needs tourism money. It's not getting it because it's on complete lockdown with COVID. Foreign currency is drying up, can't buy anything overseas. And, and it's, it's getting to the point where, I mean, you know, people are... are <laughs> That's that's when you protest when you have no other recourse.
0: So is this now? What I'm curious about is is are these progr- protests going to turn into a sort of a, a revolution? I mean, do, is is there a way for the people to finally throw the yoke of communism off and start over?
1: If if anyone knew that, I think they they should buy the lottery or stocks or uh, they should they should get into <laughs> into, into future seeing. Um, so Cuba Hasn't had protests like this Basically in a very long time There were protests like this I think in 94 But they were only in Havana This is in okay. the entire island um, The Cuban population is not Armed It's, it's illegal F- it's fuck. Zero zero arms whatsoever um, They're not organized they're, There's no opposition party There are very few leaders It comes at a very high cost to join uh, a mass political movement. There's no incentive. There's no money in it. The government, you know, demotes you, harasses you in particular ways. Not like they kill you or throw you in jail, but I mean, you'll get demoted. Your family will have visits from the police. You'll get denunciations by uh, your coworkers and official formats, things like that, that make life unpleasant.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So there's, there's not a lot of hay to be made, in joining mass political movements. So there is no organized opposition. Same as these being explicitly anti-communist protests. Um, They're more economic than that. To say that there are people out on the street in Cuba right now who aren't uh, opposed to the regime and would like to see communism end um, would be a lie. I'm sure there are many of them. But they are not explicitly communist. I don't think they're explicitly anti-communist. I don't think they're explicitly ideological at all. I don't think the Cuban population is very ideological. I don't think they're even Marxist-Leninist. Uh, there's a common saying, which is, you know, Cubans are Castristas, not Marxist-Leninists. So they, they were supporters of Castro, <laughs> but not necessarily doctrinaire Marxists or, you know, died in the wool Marxists or anything like that. So I think they just want to see things get better somehow. And they're currently venting their anger at the only people they can vent their anger at. A government that you know, seems to never bend from whatever trajectory it has decided and not heed public opinion in any meaningful way fast enough.
0: Well, one of the things from your piece that, that I thought was pretty profound was you said the same people that would be talking bad about the government. Would then, maybe at some sort of uh, event or whatever, would be nodding and saying, like, "Yes, this is great, like b- because there's that fear of getting demoted and whatnot. so these these, I mean, obviously, these protests that we're seeing are pretty indicative of how, I mean, fucked the island is. like it it seems like if you can't buy milk and food and whatnot for your family, like heads heads have got a roll. um i I wonder with the blockade that we have on them and a lot of the embargoes that we've we I don't know. Do we have a ship blockade on the island of Cuba? I'm not pull that up to Bark. I could be full well, of shit there.
1: It's it's uh the, the embargo is very is very complicated. Basically it's two things. There's been an embargo since the sixties and then there are additional sanctions placed on in the 90s under Bill Clinton and further sanctions under Trump. Um sanction blocks, you know, a lot of businesses to be able to Basically, you you can't do business with Cuba. There's some exceptions, right? Like Cuba can uh, you can sell agricultural products to Cuba, for example. Mm-hmm. So our agricultural business has you know exceptions, but you know it's not like a credit card company can go to Cuba and start a credit union. There's no financialization there. Um, you know you can't be like a hotel magnate and try to open up hotels.
2: I can't find anything about um, a blockade. Though. Yeah, it's, it's just called I the it's, embargo. It's just a, yeah, it's just sanctions, uh, travel. It's like travel restrictions, business restrictions. It's the things yeah. that like they loosened when Obama was president, and they put back in.
1: Okay. Cuba call, calls it uh, el bloqueo, right? Okay. So the Americans call it the embargo. The Cubans call it el bloqueo, the blockade.
0: Oh, okay, that's that's probably what I was I was thinking of. Um, it, it's very concerning because like there, I mean the humanitarian crisis seems to be pretty dire. Right now, and I don't know what can be done. Like, wh- like how anyone can help. You know, like uh, it's it's really not a lot of options.
1: Yeah. So, so the the only way that man that's it's a hard question, right? Like, because sometimes there are no easy answers or good answers yeah. out of a situation. Sometimes you just got to <laughs> eat the rock or eat the wall or eat a sword or just you You, you don't have an easy way out. Um, I think that some sort of U.N. coordinated humanitarian aid uh, could be needed right now, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of multilateral, multinational thing. Um that would be the only thing from the outside that could help the Cubans. Because let's say, you know, even in the fairy tale scenario that they overthrow their government, I mean, they're, they're still, you know, up shit's Creek without a paddle, right? Like, it's not like just because you overthrow your government, you're suddenly going to have food. Transitions are inherently hard. Very few governments that just threw a revolution, you know, instantly. Become rich—that doesn't happen. No, um, no. there's a and, giant
0: power vacuum as well, yeah. and violence and death, and yeah, it's it's. I mean, if you look at you're you you're a fan of history, just like I am. That's not a pretty road to go down.
1: Yeah, and and you know, you take like let's say the Cuban people who who have a, a, a quota every month of things they get free from the state, right? Like you get a certain amount of coffee, some eggs, some rice. You know some months you can't find anything and it changes around but the the cuban state does guarantee you know certain provisions not enough to completely live on but to supplement your diet and whatnot and you just completely take that away from the cuban people uh overnight because of a revolution that stops working or because of the overthrow of the government and yes you know in the long run people might be better but people will suffer people will starve. you know kids will go without food um so transitions are, are, are difficult, and I think the only thing the world could do about it right now is just some, coordinate some sort of humanitarian aid for the Cuban people, which inevitably uh, will the, the hardline uh, people in the United States won't like because they, they will view it as taking the boot off the Cuban government's neck. If the, Cub- if the Cuban government's neck can su- I mean if the Cuban government can suddenly provide food for people, um, then the protests will tamper down. So naturally, the Miami right wing and Republicans in the United States will oppose that. So whatever raid is going to come probably will not come from the United States.
0: Definitely, and and I I have to agree with you there as well. It just it this right now this it doesn't make us look inherently good, but like it makes the Cuban government look so bad. And, you know, you, you have Biden saying, like, you need to, what did he, I can't think of the words, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this and I'll get it miserably wrong, but like something that you need to appeal to the needs of your people, you know, in this, in this time. And you know, so he's made a statement on it. Um, but there's just, there's a lot of, I just don't like any, at any point in time where you see so much suffering, like that's never, that's never a good thing. And it's, um, it's you like i said through your podcast you've opened my eyes to the history and how beautiful beautiful and complex this island is and how and and even just the different like race really all of it is just so different it's a completely homogenized just beautiful culture Thank and you. i i know i love it i, I and a, a big part of that is because of you my friend and, and the work you've done with your podcast and so this is i mean generally i wouldn't I would gloss over this, but now that, you know, we've made this connection, I'm able to talk to you and learn more about it. And, and, um, I, I just want, I want to, I want to know more. I want to know. We don't have, I mean, this is all very new. When did this start? Actually? That's probably something to Marco, see if you can pull that up too, but Nick, do you have a,
1: yeah. So the, there's, there's been sort of a low lying tension in Cuba going on now for, for about, Year,
2: it was Sunday. Sunday, July eleventh, is when the um, protest started. Sorry.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the protest. These pro- protests are recent, but they they make up an arc. They're, I think they're sort of the climax of a particular arc uh, in Cuban history right now, which has been the stepping down of the Castros, the stepping up of the gla- latest president, Diaz Canel, in Cuba, figuring out how to operate. In the trump sanctions and then in the COVID world and so a few months ago um there was the san isidro protests right it was a group of artists where one of them got locked up mm-hmm. and then a uh, bunch of artists protested and more people protested and then the government actually said we're going to speak to you uh and the government ended up not speaking to them um but That made up, you know, that that was a change. It was a very, uh, very visible sort of protest. Everybody in Cuba and outside of it knew about the San Isidro movement. Uh, It was diverse. It was led by artists. And then a couple of uh, very prominent rappers in Cuba put out a video called uh, Patria y Vida, Mm -hmm. which the Cuban slogan is sort of one of the many slogans is Patria Muerte, uh, uh, fatherland or, or peace. Venceremos, we will win and okay. so they put out this rap video called Patria, Patria y Vida, um, so Fatherland and Life, um, that was a hit, right? Like it, within like a few hours or whatever, like a few minutes, it had a min- million views on YouTube. And, um, and so much that, that the government put out like an anti-protest song for it, <laughs> that was, they were very mad about it. Um, and, you know, that was, that was another very famous hit against the regime that they didn't mm-hmm. like. And things since then have only gotten worse so now we're at this point i think there's there's a, a loss of legitimacy in the government right now mm-hmm. the castros are no longer there the stores of legitimacy the revolution had are withering away this new generation has been exposed to the internet and to you know a variety of other lifestyles and ideas and ideologies and and they don't necessarily think that cuba stumbled upon the right one or believe it entirely they have relatives abroad and they much prefer the life the lives of those relatives lead than the ones they do mm-hmm. um, and like i said there's there's like this this generation that's ruling cuba right now are a bunch of you know 70 60 year old men who didn't actually fight the revolution they've always been told to follow. So they're sold sort of bland apparatchiks, right? They're like these bland, colorless, bureaucratic men who've been working within a party system for as long as, you know, since they've been in their 20s. And, you know, they don't have the same vim and fire as that uh, older revolutionary generation, you know, actually had to fight.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Well, I do have some, like, so this is kind of an abstract question, but, like, let's say that this is the... Let's just say that this is the the match, the one that 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 starts the fire. And let's let's not say revolution, but the, the government crumbles in a new one's place. Like I know that you're very interested in economics. Throughout the, the, the throughout the history of Cuba, like their main export has been sugar, and that's kind of a boom or bust economy. When in let's again thinking that there there's a new government. What would be their chief source of commerce? Would it okay. be tourism? Like, how would they shift into the modern era? How would they create jobs? Yeah. So, sugar is, is dead yeah. um,
1: in Cuba. Has been for a while. Um, Cuba actually makes more money sending doctors out to the world than it does with sugar and a mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff. So, Cuba's only way to go, I would believe, um, would be the way of something like DR, right? It it would be a a tourist nation. Um, In fact, it was even in the 1950s, as Batista was falling, um, the emerging thing was tourism. It was the casinos and that type of thing. That was starting as sugar was stagnating in the 1950s. That began to pick up the slack. And every year, uh, revenues were getting higher until the revolution, Mm Um, for that type of thing. But, you know, uh, inherent in, in the service industry is that dirty word, which is service, right? Cuba being a deeply nationalistic nation back then didn't necessarily want to serve. It's, it's, a, it's a seedy industry with casinos and there's always, you know, an underworld and there's always prostitution and stuff like that, especially yeah. if you're a Caribbean island. So uh, that, that wasn't, uh, the revolution wasn't too hot on, on tourism. Um, but Cuba right now, I mean, you know, it has no, basically no natural industry, right? Um, what it does have that I think other places, uh, don't have in the Caribbean is high human capital due to the, the education system, stuff like that. There are a lot of trained experts in Cuba in all sorts of fields. they are excellent engineers, excellent doctors, historians, people of letters. Human capital in Cuba, due to its education system, is actually very good. So I think that, but you can't run, you know, an economy on human capital alone. All your people can't be in the trades. So I think Cuba's there will be some room for things like, you know, a biomedical industry, certain types of bespoke trade industries, um, cheaper engineers and architects and stuff like that that you can contract out. Mm
0: -hmm. But I think
1: a lot of that is going to be aimed at establishing tourism. At just building, real estate, that type of thing. Because if you're an island that's been sort of economically left behind for a long time, you don't really have a choice. You can't compete with anybody else who's already been working on this stuff for a while. You can't compete with the export industry of you know most countries. So, so you just you got to pander to the fact that you're 90 miles away from a nation where a lot of people vacation, which yeah. is nation in the history on earth.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think that a lot, like, let's say, that, again, new government, do you think a lot of the Cubans that are in Miami and throughout the rest of the United States would return home?
1: No, I don't think so. I think some of them will, uh, maybe perhaps more of the recent arrivals. No. I think a fair amount of them would, would certainly get vacation homes mm-hmm. in Cuba. Um, you can't buy a home right now in cuba as a foreigner it's an american you can't buy it it's illegal um in cuba um but no i don't think they're going back i think i think americans came here uh i think they're they're mad at the country they felt insulted by the country by its people by its system and cubans just just fully bought into america and whatever the american dream might be and uh, yeah, they, they bought into the whole the whole mythos of being an American and they easily could because Miami is essentially you know a South American enclave. Miami might as well be the captain of the Caribbean uh, the, the capital of the Caribbean Caribbean. yeah so, so yeah like I I don't think they're going back those those folks are they're a, they view themselves as American
0: and they are. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I had to ask, I was, I was, I was curious about that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a outsider looking in on that culture and I, I find it fascinating. It's this, um, I'm, what are you hoping for with all this unrest?
1: <laughs> oh man. Um, I have, I have torn loyalties to be honest.
0: <laughs> well, like, let's, let's get into it, brother.
1: I have torn loyalties. So I, I mean, I grew up on the island, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would... I don't like it the system. I lived there it was it was shitty, you know. I don't like bucket showers, I don't like unpaved streets, I don't mm. like the electricity going out every 5 minutes. I don't like not having freedom of speech, I don't like mm. not being able to vote. I don't like yeah, I don't like a one-party system. Uh, I don't like, you know, not being able to I, uh, let's say work work for myself is like i don't know have a have a car dealership let's say or like resell cars or i don't like the fact that i can't import or export uh by myself i have to go through the government and just a bunch of other just like very very weird arcane annoying regulations that always like, somebody has to stamp and agree to um just a sluggish system that doesn't particularly work um so as a cuban I want the government gone. I don't. Yeah. I don't like them. Um, as an American, I am an American citizen. I don't want intervention. I think there's a, a very ugly history of intervention. I think it's uh, in in Cuba and in South America. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's a bit hypocritical to say, "Hold on, I'm going to do a humanitarian intervention," when e- the embargo and the sanctions have in part caused that humanitarian crisis it's hypocritical to intervene for conditions you helped and aided to bring about um and it's just bad optics right like this is a, a small nation we've been blockading or embargoing since the 1960s mm-hmm. there was just a vote in the un that was 184 to two and the only two countries that voted uh, <laughs> in favor of, of the embargo in Cuba where Israel and the United States so, I mean when you take a like an L that big 184 to 2 you should start looking with, within are we doing mm-hmm. something wrong um, and so just the optics of it would look awful like South Americans already have a lot of reasons to dislike the United States wouldn't like it a lot of the country would be like hold on we're doing this again mm-hmm. um, so it's it's I want the government gone. I don't want U.S. intervention. However, my 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 spicy take would be, you know, if if you're a Cuban American, right? And they've already talked about this, and like you want to figure out how to run guns to Cuba,
0: oh, or like, how, to, yes. how to do expeditions, or like whatever, yes. get on a yacht. And I feel like, like
2: we've seen this movie before.
0: Stop it, Demarco. <laughs> Let him talk. This we're getting good now. I'm getting fired up. Keep going. If you want to do that. Um, You know, that's
1: your prerogative That's your <laughs> homeland, right? If the United States catches you, and they will Because, like, of course they know you're going They have a Coast Guard Then, you know, you get caught You face the consequences It's not U.S. policy But if they want to do that, I don't necessarily have a problem with it I'm oh, not 100% is- opposed to it It's their homeland If they want to is- do that,
0: go ahead that is a spiciest take I think I've I've heard in quite some time d- is is d- is there people that are running guns in the Cuba um, to my knowledge no okay well I However, mean,
1: there have been there have been you know a few few figures here and there a uh, little wacko-ish but uh whatever um, in Miami that have tried to outfit like yachts and private boats with uh, supplies mm-hmm. to do like private Privately go to the island and distribute supplies, um, only to get stopped by the U.S. Coast Guard instantly. Mm. Mm. So I don't know. It's it's every it's every Miami Cuban dream to like pick up a gun and go fight the regime, yeah. right? Yeah, How yeah. many of them do it? Very little. That's the yeah, It's a very high price to pay when you live a very comfortable life in Miami a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and the biggest hawks are never the people that you know actually wield the the guns. Mm-hmm. So so I don't know if. It, I don't think maybe one or two expeditions might be thrown, maybe one, uh, but it's going to get caught. It's, it's not, it's not going to
0: work. It's I, not going to work. I mean, yeah, unless right, um,
1: right. it's bravado, but it's not going to work.
0: I mean, unless, unless you get, you got a, you know, you got a connection, let's say like some dude named Fred or Bill that works in the CIA. And he's <laughs> like, this, is a, this is a coast guards patterns and you need to be on, you need to be, I don't know what t- you need to be through this part of the ocean at this time, and then you're 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 sailing free and clear. Does Cuba have a coast guard, or we just got to worry about our yeah, own? Yeah,
1: no, Cuba has a coast guard. Ah,
0: shit. Well, then we got to get it. Well, then i we will get on both you.
1: sides.
0: Yeah. Well, then I'll use you as my Cuban connect. Listen, nice. this is dude. This is. I feel like I can, Well, I don't know if I can make a lot of money doing this. I probably have to do it. Out oh, of you no. want to start
1: gun running? I, I, I to start. My, I got to change my name to like Frank
0: Sturgis and help you out. <laughs> gun running. My name's gonna be Leonard Steele. Leonard like Steele, good, oh, Leonard yeah. Steele, man, bringing the or good. or or just call me Lad, bro, because that's what I bring. <laughs>
1: that's a good. That's a good name for a gun runner. Yeah.
0: What's your name, Lad? You got a last name? No, just Lad, dog. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that that would be sick,
1: actually. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk off uh off podcast yeah, we'll, about this. Yeah, dude. we'll
0: finish this. Yeah, this conversation. Any money to be
1: made on gun running?
0: There's, there's probably a. I just don't know who has the money there.
1: Yeah, I don't even know how. Yeah, I don't know. If, I have, I have, uh, I have a gun license. That's, that's as much as I know uh, about guns. Like I've been to a firing range a few times.
0: When you come out in Oregon, I got some toys. We'll play with them.
1: Oh, that's a good state for for guns.
0: It's okay. Texas is probably the best state. Uh, anywhere in the south is is pretty good they're kind of getting cracking down on shit up here but really or um, oregon is starting to get down on the on their gun laws a little bit like not the, you can it's still fine to get them it's not a problem but it's not it's not as loosey-goosey as i'd like it to be but i mean again this is coming from someone that's a little out there on that topic. Like I'm a li- I feel like if you want to own a tank or a bazooka, you should be able to. That's not smart. I'm glad a lot of people don't have that view, but I just like total freedom, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that people should be able to own guns. Yeah.
2: The uh, So the the Oregon law that they just passed in June, it was, uh, say, it requires firearms to be secured with a trigger or cable lock in a lock container or a gun room i think pretty sure that was it it's kind of just
0: uh toothless really good, good. yeah that's I like mean, a gun safety
1: thing
0: yeah i mean if you if you have guns and you're not safe with them you're an idiot like i have a freaking massive gun safe so I, you know I'm, I'm <laughs> with that, but, you know um yeah man i i uh i i kind of want to circle back on your views uh on inter like inter intervening, I share the same sentiment. I think that I I like the idea of being in isolationists and staying uh, keeping our nose out of other people's business. But then I do also have a spicy take too, because part of me, because I do not like the government of Cuba at all, and I do not like seeing my fellow humans imprisoned. So part of me feels like. It's a bit of our not duty, but kind of like this is the American brainwashing taking over. It's like we need to spread liberty to everybody. This is this is boomer energy at its finest coming at you. I say we fucking go in there and we start a some sort of revolution. You know, we provide them with uh, DeMarco's give me a thumbs down. We provide Uh them with the ammunition, the shells. We train him up. It'll be, well, you know, we got it wrong in the 80s, but we're going to get it right in the may 20s. I, may maybe for offer a counterpoint? <laughs> I don't know if I want logic in my dreams right now, but go ahead, brother. Uh, ISIS. Good point. Uh, well, and the Mujahideen. You, know you,
1: you could do. You could, do, you could uh, uh, get everybody who's in Guantanamo. You could, uh, you could <laughs> offer them conditional freedom. The
2: Suicide Squad method. I yeah. like this.
1: You could offer everybody who's in Guantanamo conditional <laughs> freedom if, if they leave and go train the Cubans. Okay. So that's how you end up with Cuban ISIS. But who which like, one,
2: which one of the which one of the people in Guantanamo is Jared Leto? That's the question that we really <laughs> need.
1: That's fine. Because I think maybe we leave him there. Arabic Arabic Jared Leto. Um, say so you could you could release those people and be like, all right, you will train the Cubans on how to bomb the government. And you will remain free. And that's it. That's a compromise I think we can offer. Lefties get Guantanamo, everybody, all the prisoners leaving. Right-wingers get uh, highly trained ISIS Cuba guerrillas. And we get a, a new caliphate. And I think everybody can get a little something. Even the Middle East can get it.
0: Yeah, they it's have a, like a little a caliphate, they do, and, and Sharia law takes over that island, right? Sharia 90, Cuba. Yeah, Sharia Cuba, 90 miles away from our border, then that gives us, I mean, we'd have to invade, obviously, like that's just yeah. too close. Did you know in... Too <laughs> it's, too,
1: wait, it's too close.
0: <laughs> it's too close. Did you know, I believe it was in the 1800s that... We were so the United States was maybe eight, late 1800s, I'm not 100% sure that if anybody, any other of the f- large powers tried to take Cuba, it was automatic war. We would declare war on them. And I do yeah, not that's, remember that's which.
1: Uh, it, was, it was part of uh, the, the Platt Amendment. Wasn't that okay. part? Um, that
2: was part of the Spanish American War, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. It was part okay. of the Platt Amendment. After we kicked out Spain, we made uh, Cuba sign a treaty mm-hmm. and then we put it in the Constitution. That said, that we could intervene for a variety of reasons. Um, and one of those reasons we could intervene is if a uh, any type of European nation tried to take Cuba. Yeah. So we could we could intervene on the island, and we would have probably declared war on that nation. But yeah, yeah um, another reason you could intervene is if like property was you know in danger or a state of anarchy broke out.
0: Mm-hmm. So the
1: United States had to intervene in Cuba, a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1904, and uh, yeah. See, yeah, we mean, just.
0: We yeah, just haven't really we haven't really gotten that far away from that. We're still kind of in that same fucked up cycle over a hundred yeah. years later.
1: Yeah, we've never tried we've never really stopped trying to intervene in Cuba. Um, you know, when when Castro wins in fifty-nine and you get a lot of the political high brass, uh, both in, in the Batista government and in other people other governments before that were opposed to Batista because there were other political parties too in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And you get all of those people leaving and then you get everybody with capital leaving um, and coming to to Miami and you end up with basically a bunch of government programs to destabilize the island in a variety of ways. One of those who still exists to this day, it's Radio Marti, which is basically a, a jobs program for, uh, for Cuban Republicans which is um it's it's a it's a radio that broadcasts news into cuba that's ran out of miami that's anti-government it's paid for (laughs) by your money by taxpayer money um that's been around for a long time um and a variety of other you know little fun cia projects here and there it lasted for a while um miami actually used to be a deeply violent place you know not just because of the drug running but because of politics um If you were a radio station that expressed some sort of pro-Cuba opinion, you could expect uh, that you might be bombed. There were, you know, like hundreds of bombings in Miami throughout the 70s and 80s over political stuff. Uh, Not not that dissimilar from what happened when the South Vietnamese came to the United States and then, you know, had to reckon with the fact that they lost the war and went after anybody in their own community that if they said, well, we got to move on from this, we lost. Um, Several journalists were assassinated whose cases are unsolved to this day by the FBI in the South Vietnamese community. So Miami has a very dark past with the people who left the island. Um, Some of them died in very violent ways, like uh, with car bombs and stuff. Um, And that sort of tampers down in the 90s. You know, I think in the 90s, as the immigrants coming in are more economic and not so much political, not fleeing from the revolution, uh, I think that tampers down, and you get the Miami today, which is very vocal and very anti-Castro. But there are no buildings being bombed because mm-hmm. they say, "Well, maybe we should open up the regime," and no one's trying to kill Obama. Uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh. uh
0: well, I, I wonder. Uh, I we have to cause a, we have to call a timeout right now because that's your next podcast series. Dude, uh, that that that's your next podcast. Dangerous Miami. Dude, you gotta I've gotta think of a name here. It's it's called uh Miami Vice. No, maybe Miami Vice. No, not Miami Vice, like something about uh, Gianni Versace. No, no, like um <laughs> Miami light and dark, or oh, that's a terrible. That's a fucking <laughs> Terrible name but uh, That I didn't
1: The the 50 50 cent Xbox game blood on the sand (laughs) Yeah
0: San Andreas Miami Santa Miami city Of San Andreas or something like that dude I don't know like I had No idea that any of that Shit was going down my mouth was Open the entire time you were telling these stories Because I did not even know that was a thing I had no clue yeah
1: Violent violent city for a while politically violent you don't expect it but you know And it, it, recently I saw a very um, a movie that sort of gave me bad juju about that it was called uh, Plantados uh, which was a, it, it's, it was about um, a, a Cuban dude seeing uh, his torturer from a Cuban jail in, 19, in the 1960s mm-hmm. seeing the guy who tortured him in Miami and then with his family tracking him down in order to kill him um, and, and I thought, you know, first of all, I, the movie sucked. It's very badly done. It was like, <laughs> it was torture. It was like uh, unsavory political torture porn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it just conjured a certain type of darkness in Miami's past that, that shouldn't be brought up again.
0: So we won't be hit getting that podcast series. <laughs> <don't we?
1: laughs> no, I have other interests. I really don't want to. One of the reasons I stay so quiet all the time on Twitter and stuff is because I really don't want to be the Cuba guy. No. Yeah. Although, you know, it's, it's possible that I might just be on my way to being one of the Cuba guys.
0: Oh, man. That, that piece that you wrote, that was fiery, dog. Well, And then uh, I loved it. I lo- you should write more. You're a very good writer.
1: I like to talk shit. <laughs> so do i Yeah, so well, do i yeah i don't i don't i try not to be mean about it but but i do like to talk shit
0: yeah well you're very clever i i i definitely enjoyed that piece and where where can people where can people find that piece my man
1: i can find it on my twitter or on medium just go on no. my twitter at nick ramos underscore one and it's right there it's just a medium piece i it was like last night getting pissed about, you know, scrolling through feeds and getting pissed about different things that I was seeing. It's like, you know, why don't, why don't I say something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you got weirdos that know nothing about Cuba saying just stupid shit.
0: What, kind of, the stupid, time, what I kind of stupid that, shit were you seeing?
1: What type of stupid shit I was seeing? Oh, oh yeah. okay, yeah. So, I mean, I was seeing a lot of shit about American intervention, which I disagreed with, but that didn't piss me off because that's sort of expected, right? Like, you you don't you know you don't you don't you don't kill a dog for for biting you right like it's expected that it's going to behave a certain way and you expect the Miami right wing and certain american jingos to behave that way i was seeing shit from from the left like marxist online left that was like oh cia plot like the oh, cia f- is behind this this and that and like all yeah. right dude cia is under your bed relax um, <laughs> and, uh, and i was also seeing stuff from like establishment uh democrats like who who work you know behind uh, the shadows and different think tanks you know the 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 intelligentsia economy of mm-hmm. cuba who are deeply linked with obama you know being like oh you know we we uh, the cuban people should have caution and i hope that they can sit down with the government or whatever and you know I'm like, and that's why I, I said in the article like i can't you know I, I understand what they're saying and they might they might turn out to be right you know the healthiest with the least, the most uh, utilitarian way, let's say, that causes the least uh, harm in life to go forward is, you know, talking with the government, somehow forcing a sit down. But, you know, I, I say in the article that, you know, they don't have chutzpah, like they don't have cojones. Like what, why, why is the only thing you can think about at a time when there are unprecedented protests in Cuba is how can we get everybody to sit around the table and talk? Like, you know, it's, it's wrong time, dude so like it, it all like particularly bothered me. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm pretty politically homeless. Like mm-hmm. I usually vote for Democrat, but I'm pretty politically homeless. Um, not that I particularly like the Democrats. So, so that's one of the reasons I stay away from posting about politics or saying uh, anything on Twitter. It's cause whatever I'm going to say, I'm going to like say something bad about every side Mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna be you know homeless like no one no one likes to be you know not have people on their side so i just all of it pissed me off so i tried to get it all out there you know like what what i think about every single side and why i don't like any of them and i also tried to be understanding with them right you know because everyone has a point Like, everyone believes a certain way because of a type of upbringing or because of something they've been told or because of a life experience. So you also have to be, I think, understanding of that to some degree uh, before you say, oh, this is moronic. Yes. Or this is incorrect or you're missing something. Um, Not that you can get through to any of these people.
0: No. No, and you can't. But I think you did the right thing, man. And and it's good to get – I'm obviously going to trust your view more than – Anyone else is on on the topic just because you're a student of history and you've influenced me in a, in a very very positive way. Appreciate um, it very much. And but I would have a really tough time looking at it from the Marxist point of view because like the only the only thing that I can judge is that idea on is what I've seen throughout history and it's not fucking good. It doesn't work. It, it leads to mass suffering, loss of life. It makes human life very, very cheap. And like, obviously, it's very evident that the Cuban government's not good, doing a good job. Like, it's, it's, it's a bad idea. And something needs to change. Go ahead. Just, uh,
2: I agree with you. Though, you have to admit, Marx was kind of right about his assessment of how capitalism would turn out.
0: Yeah, I'm not. There's, I mean, it's a beautiful idea on paper, and I, I'm his whole assessment of how the world works. Is is kind of not wrong there, you know? Like that, there are definitely, and it's the, the whole idea of class systems and whatnot. That's very real, and we have a giant problem in our nation as far as the separation of wealth is concerned. And if we don't find a way to fix that, if you look throughout history only bad shit happens when you don't fix that.
1: You know? Yeah, I think material analysis is incredibly important, right? Like yeah. If anything, just, just you know, someone coming along and saying, yeah, there's there's such a thing as material analysis you can do. I think that's wholly important, and it's sort of every single, particularly history. Like History does operate, by and large, from a Marxist perspective. I'm talking about history writing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's you know it's not so much concerned as to the personal worth or uh, you know whether one guy was honorable or not. It's it's a lot about you know who had what, who was suffering, who wasn't eating. And, and certainly it's a field that's been deeply impacted by Marxism. So I am I'm I'm not a Marxist. I am I'm sympathetic to Marxist critiques of of structure. And I don't think you have to be a Marxist, you know, to abolish property or To say that you know perhaps there should be you know a a cap on on wealth let's say or perhaps there should be a cap on on the amount of land uh, a particular foreign corporation can own Uh, i don't think that that's necessarily marxism though it it does come from a materialist critique and i think the number one the number one thing is material in life I, i do believe that though in my article i say there's more to life than material i think the number one thing in life is Oh, Your material well, status, how you're feeding yourself—that's
2: essentially mercantilism. In what way? Uh, in the way that you, like you're saying, putting limits and controls and regulations, and like not—not not all regulation is bad. There is some necessary oh, yeah. necessary level. It's basically just how the world economy operated prior to like the 1920s.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't—I'm not a an ideological in any way. I think that a variety of different policies work in a variety of different places. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So take South America. One of the big things about South America is land reform. because so there were huge haciendas and giant corporations and particularly landowners that gobbled up a huge amount of land. Mm-hmm. That land is the way they were living. It's, it's how they produced. So uh, it was important there to do land reform and land redistribution. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States... There was just a massive amount of land. Like the West would just keep going and going and going and always doing land handouts to people for basically nothing. That's what the Homestead Acts were, right? Just a huge land redistribution of land we gotten from the West. So um, in the United States, it wasn't that problem. So there wasn't a need for land redistribution in the same way there was in Cuba and in other places in South America. So that policy worked in those places, didn't necessarily work in the United States mm-hmm. or w- would have been needed. So I, I I just don't believe in like a set set of policies. Sure, no, I think it sure. matters with space and yeah, where you are and what time you are and what your population is facing.
2: That's essentially where I am as well. Like I, I always say that I'm politically homeless. I mostly either I vote for like a libertarian or a Democrat, but I I cannot bring myself to vote for a Republican.
1: That's fair. I haven't voted. I don't think I've voted Republican yet.
0: Uh, sure. I, I I've I voted uh, I vote I vote all over the place b- primarily third party. Um, I, it's, 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 I have a I have some issues with how the Democratic Party seems to be run nowadays, but I also have a, a major issues with how the Republican Party is run as well. Um, but I also think the libertarians—some of us—are pretty fucking crazy as well. Um, The Libertarian Party
2: is just an absolute fucking joke. (laughs) It's considering considering the last—I mean, Joe Jorgensen wasn't bad, but also her healthcare platform was just like I don't know corporations, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and like who Bill Weld and what's his face Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson was too, like, blasted on dabs to know what the hell was going on, and Bill Weld was a fucking Democrat.
1: It's hard to run a party uh, organized around
0: the issue of consent laws. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I did not know that. What is what is that? Oh, what you don't, do you,
2: you're, you're, so, Rick isn't terminally online like we are, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's That's the joke, is that libertarians are like they're obsessed with like the joke is just like well sure we all feel really good about you know legalizing uh marijuana for recreational use but how do we feel about uh age of consent laws like it's somehow like it's the joke that like Libertarians only want to try to have sex with like children or like teenagers, so they're, or they're the, the ones that the, that what is that? They'll make the distinction. It's not pedophilia. It's ebophilia
1: ebophilia,
0: yeah. Yeah. ebophilia or something. What yeah. the fu- How, dude? You guys got to get out off the internet. We and gotta go touch outside grass. Go on a fucking walk, dude, and <laughs> touch and grass. Just, yeah, right. Live the dream, dude. Nick, you need to take a vacation outside of New York, dude. I'm I'm, I'm prescribing this to you. Go, uh, go I'm, sit I'm, by, by like I'm going to Long Island this weekend to chill. Oh.
2: Oh, that's so far
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that, that sounds like fun, man, um, yeah, i'm not I'm not, leave, I'm not leaving i love new york i i'm i'm gonna be out there um march in march of 2022 so if you're still, still there here. if you're still there we should probably meet up I'm, I'm gonna go to a concert out there so
1: oh hell yeah dude yeah let's get drinks
0: I would absolutely love that, man. That'd be great. Uh, dude, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, talking shit, and, and just educating me a little bit more on what's going i'm probably going to bug you again and get you back on here once this once we see how this shakes out hopefully it shakes out with the government getting ousted guns flowing freely in cuba and people fucking waving (laughs) the cuban um, cuban flag and just being super patriotic hopefully the commerce opens up the, the 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 embargo ends and we can you know we could Take a boat to Cuba together, you and I, and smoke cigars and get wasted. I hope that that's the case by the time this time next year.
1: I love that, brother. You know, Patria muerte, venceremos.
0: See, si. I don't know what you said, name but I agree. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the
1: that's fatherland or death. We will, uh, we will win slash persevere.
0: Fuck, I like yes, that, dude. I like that, dude. And then we'll talk more about the gun running after uh, after the show. All right, folks. Uh, I appreciate you listening. If you're uh, Cuban and you're hearing this, we love you and I wish you guys the best. Peace out.